and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today is my 2022 wrap-up episode, which I'm so excited about. The wrap-ups, my end-of-the-year wrap-ups are some of my absolute favorite episodes to record because it's just so much fun to look back at the year. I really love kind of the stats of how many books I read and what genres those were, And I also have a lot of fun talking about my favorite and least favorite books of the year. So we're going to do all of those things. We're going to start off talking about the statistics and then move into my favorite books and my least favorite or best and worst. And I may or may not touch on some goals for 2023, but we will just have to see if that happens or not. Like I've said in years past, I don't tend to set reading goals usually. I have some that are sort of in the back of my mind, but it's more of a like, would be nice if that happened, but who knows. So that's that. So I'm ready to reflect on 2022. Overall, it was actually a really good reading year. Was it a great podcast year? No, because I took a 21-week hiatus. Basically, all of spring and summer I was gone, and then I also had a short maybe four to six week break in the fall when I had a concussion. So that was, of course, not good. But during most of that time, I didn't read the entire time I was concussed because it hurt my head. Um, I was reading, like during my big break, I was reading. And I read a lot of good books. And you'll see that I had a lot harder time picking my worst books of the year than my best books, which is good. It's good to have more good books than bad books. So let's get into it. Number one question, I bet you're all wondering, how many books did I read this year? So, I read 49 physical books. Now, I really read 48, but I read one of those books twice, so I counted it a second time for a total of 49. That's actually an increase. I think last year I only read 47, and then let me see. 40, no, last year I only read 45 physical books. So that's an increase by four. Now, I will say I did read a few um, books that were very short this year. And I think I did read a lot of over over 400 page books as well. But anyways, kind of a mix. I'm happy with that. I actually thought it was going to be a lot less. It was, now I will say, are these numbers exactly correct? Maybe not. I don't have every single book on my bookshelf here that I read this year because some of them are at my parents' house or my brother's or roommates or like whatever. And so they don't live with me, um, which makes it hard for me to count at the end of year, especially since I wasn't keeping up with my Instagram. So I can't just count there, but that's okay. So I read, I think, 49 books. I normally shoot, I would love to read 52 but 50 is kind of a more attainable goal, about one book a week for each week of the year, but I'm very happy with 49. And then iBooks is telling me I read 62 new eBooks this year. I definitely read over 62 books because I reread my iBooks all the time, but it doesn't count your reread, it only counts your first read. I think probably over 100, maybe up to 150, possibly. I think probably more 100, 120 is probably more accurate. And then I did a lot of reading that I just can't track or just don't track. Um, I still do read a little bit on Wattpad, not gonna lie, not as much as I used to because ads frustrate me and I'm 
I'm a more, I have a little bit more taste. And so I, I like, uh, don't always have the patience for the bad grammar or plots um, on Wattpad. But I do read there sometimes and then also fan fiction. So all of that I read a lot of this year as well. So all this is to say is I read a lot, a lot, a lot. And I read at my job. I feel like I'm constantly reading and I love it. So let's get into the genre breakdowns, which is something else I find really interesting seeing kind of like where that is. Oh, I guess before we get to that, I should say that I also had two DNFs um, this year. So I guess I tried to read 51 books. I DNF'd seven days in June back in February. And that was because, but actually both books I DNF'd were due to triggering content that just wasn't good for my mental health. I was really upset to not be able to finish Seven Days in June because I had wanted to read it for probably eight months by the time I picked it up. And I recently met a friend of a friend who was reading it and absolutely loved it. So I don't want people to not read that book because I DNF'd it. It just like for me personally, my own mental health, I had to set it aside and I was really upset about it. I also did enough sign here by Claudia Lux. I'm going to talk more about this book and my worst books. I don't typically put DNFs in the worst book list because, you know, I didn't finish them. But I think that one I DNFed again for mental health reasons. But there was, it would have probably ended on the worst books even if it didn't have the part that, like, really was not good for me. So I'll talk about that more later. But now we're actually going to get into the genre breakdown. So I read t- books in 10 different genres this year. Um, but one of the genres is just Nicholas Sparks, so I don't think that actually counts, but that's fine. We're going to get into it. As always, well, I guess before I say that, these genres are either, like, actually what different things have classified it or just what makes sense to me for where to place things. So the first genre I have in my biggest one, as always, is romance. I read 14 romance novels this year. I don't know. I think I probably read around like 10 or 12 last year. I always tend to read a decent amount of romance now. I I guess like since graduating college, I've really like increased my romance reading intake or even just since my senior year. I love romance novels. They're so much fun. They make me happy. Basically, every ebook I read is a romance novel. There's probably this year, I think definitely, but that was the case. But there are some sometimes that are more not that but I pretty much only read romance novels on my ebook so if we counted all of that romance would be overwhelmingly my top genre so for physical books 14 I really enjoyed I think almost all of them I don't think I have any romance novels on my worst books of the year list after that we have fantasy I read nine fantasies now in fantasy I count both adult and young adult fantasy and then separate young adult contemporaries out of that. I read seven young adult contemporary novels or young adult thrillers or young adult mysteries or whatever. I read the Inheritance Game trilogy. I don't really know if that's like a mystery thriller or what, but I counted all of those in young adult as well. Fantasy is normally my number two genre. It's down a little bit because I finished the Harley Merlin and Finch Merlin books, which if you're not aware, those books each have nine books in the series. So that's a total of 18 books I read over the course of probably two years, two and a half years. And so those really increased my fantasy numbers in the past two years. So I was surprised it was still pretty high, but I love fantasy. And I'm starting to make my way into the adult fantasy genre, which has been fun. 
see after that the next highest one was literary fiction at four i don't really like literary fiction most of the time and that pretty much is how it played out i don't think i have any literary fiction on my best and i have some on the worst because i don't love it then i read three mystery novels three middle grade because I reread the Dragon Slipper series. Love that series so much. I read three historical fiction novels and I also read three Nicholas Sparks novels. Now I have never read Nicholas Sparks before and I'll talk more about this again later, but I didn't know where to classify his. I really didn't want to put them in romance with my romance books I love and I didn't think they really fit in literary fiction as well. Maybe I could have made a women's fiction genre, but if I did that, then I would have moved some of the romance things over there because one of the Catherine Center books I read and then also probably the Jill Chavez book I read probably could fit in women's fiction instead of romance, but I didn't want to do that. So Nicholas Sparks just gets his own genre. His books are pretty similar, so we're leaving it like that. And then I read two magical realism and one science fiction book. So I read a total of nine to 10 genres, depending on if you classify Nicholas Sparks as a genre, which I did. Now, a few other stats. I had eight rereads. So 41 of these books was the first time I read it and eight was the second, third, fourth, fifth, who knows how many times, like it was a reread. I used to reread a lot. That was pretty much most of my reading probably in middle school, high school. And as I've gotten older and now have some disposable income and book of the month, I buy books a lot. So I feel like I actually reread more this year than I have in years past. But you know what? I do love a good reread. Basically, almost all of my rereads were the young adult novels that I read this year. Obviously, not all of them because I read seven of those and had eight rereads, but that was a high percentage of that. A little bit else, I only read four books by male authors, and three of those books were Nicholas Sparks authors. I, this is so funny, I remember in like June or July thinking, oh my god, I've read so many books by men, and I've only read four, which is way less than in years past, so yay women, I'm reading so much by women, yay, less yay. I only read six books by um, authors of color this year, unless you count books by Jewish women, because I read a Naomi Novik book, and I also read two Lee Bardugo books, which I don't really know how to classify her. So I, I'm saying six, and then there's three books that may, may be by Jewish women. So I don't really know. That's definitely a huge decrease and something I'm not super proud of. I definitely want to increase that in the coming year and honestly I'm already I'm recording this on January 7th hopefully posting it on the 8th so it's a it's a little delayed maybe like a week delayed but based on the books that I've already like bought and have ready to read in 2023 I'm already gonna I'm already doing well on that front and I'm really excited for some of the stuff I'm reading in this new year so that is pretty much all the stats in years past, I have talked a little bit about podcast stats, but I just didn't look any of that up because I did not care to. So we are now going to move into the best books of 2022 list. So I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six books listed here and then some honorable mentions that I want to talk about. I would first like to say that rereads do not get to be on the best books list because 
if I reread a book that I've already loved, nine times out of 10, I love it even more. And that happened with Spinning Silver, which I read in January or February of 2022. It, I, it, it was on my 2022 best books list. I read it in 20, 2020. It was on my 2020 best books list. I read it again and I loved it. I loved it even more. And if I didn't have this rule, it would be on this list. But I do have a few other honorable mentions that were books that were really good, but just quite didn't quite make it to this list. Why did I pick six? I don't know. But let's get into it. Some of these books you've heard a lot about, some you've heard less about. So, so one of these you actually haven't heard about at all yet, because I'm like four episodes behind on posting. So number one, this isn't an order of like favorite per se, but just number one I wrote down was A River Enchanted by Rebecca Ross. This is an adult fantasy novel I read in February or March, and it is set kind of on like a fake, a fake Scotland, and it's set on this island, and half the island has a lot of magic, but no like food, and the other side has a lot of food, but not a lot of magic, or like when you do magic, it comes at a cost. And girls are disappearing, so Jack Tamerlane has to come back to his clan, and he has music, and his music is magical, and they're trying to find the missing girls, and it's, like, told from four or five perspectives. We've got Jack, the daughter of the chief, and then the, like, lead of the soldiers and his wife, who's a healer, and I fell in love with this book. This was maybe my first adult fantasy I've ever read, and it was amazing. At the time, I'd been having a lot of difficulty with fantasy. I had just read a lot of, like, unimpressive stuff, you know? And this one, I loved all of the characters. I felt so deeply for all of them, and the plot kept me enthralled. I mean, this is probably one of the absolute best fantasies I've ever read. I have the second book, the final book in the duology, a Fire Endless, and I'm literally so excited to read it. I'm going to reread A River Enchanted first and then read A Fire Endless. I'm thinking I'll probably get to them either at the end of January or the beginning of February, so I've got about a month to go, and you've probably got about two or three months to hearing it, but I cannot wait to read this next book. I hopefully will not be disappointed, but this book was great. It just did all the things a fantasy needed to do for me, I had to, I cared about the characters and I thought the plot was interesting and I thought it wasn't like something I had read previously. So if you've read a lot of fantasy and you've also had that issue and if you're recently transitioning into adult fantasy, this is definitely one I would recommend. Next is my all-time favorite romance from this year, The Bodyguard by Catherine Center. This one was amazing. So the premise is that there is this female bodyguard and this male celebrity actor think Chris Evans and Chris Evans actor has a stalker and he's trying to go home to be with his mom I think is having like cancer treatment so he's going home to like be with his family but he doesn't want them to know he has a stalker so the main girl has to pose as his girlfriend and they fall in love and this one is actually surprisingly a clean romance so there is no sex scenes in it and I didn't care. I am somebody who does enjoy a good um, sexy scene in a romance novel, but I was, the emotion in this novel, I literally, I literally can't. I cried. I cried in the middle of it when there's this understanding. 
I was, there were tears. I was getting ready for bed, but I was in tears because I felt the angst. I felt the heartbreak and it got to me and I believed it. The other thing about this book is it's fun. You know, Catherine Center has, is, what am I saying? I've only read two Catherine Center books, but I'm definitely a big, a, a huge fan, new fan to her. And, um, she just likes to, at the back of the book, she talked about, like, in her author's note, she talks about how she tries to strike a balance between, like, fun and, like, emotional, and how for this one she was writing it during COVID, so it was more on the fun light side, and that definitely was the case. I don't know. The Bodyguard just made me cry. I loved, I love a Bodyguard romance, okay? Let's just get the, this out of the way, and I loved that the female main character was the Bodyguard. And they had great chemistry and I cried. I don't know. I don't know what else you want me to say. Next is a surprise entry on this list. Homicide in Hollow Hollow by Mia P. Manasala. So in 2021, I read Arsenic and Adobo for the first time. It might, it might have made it on my best books of the year list. I don't know. Let me check. I don't really remember. No, it definitely didn't. Did I read it in 2022? I don't know. I don't really know, but I did it. So basically why this is surprising is that I liked Arsenic and Adobo. I thought it was good. It's a cozy mystery. Basically in the first book, um, the main character, Lila, 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 I don't remember. She comes back home to help her family's failing Filipino restaurant and her ex-boyfriend ends up dying in the middle of the restaurant and she is accused of murdering him. And so then from there, it's kind of like her solving mysteries in this small town in Illinois. And I liked the first book, but I was like, okay, I'm just continuing with the series because it was fun. Like I liked the first one, but I wasn't expecting very much, right? I just thought, okay, this will be fine. I don't give star ratings, but if I did, I was like, oh, I'll just be a three-star read, like whatever. Homicide and Hollow Hollow was really good. It just really surprised me how much I enjoyed it. The second book is um, Leela is judging at a beauty pageant and one of the judges is murdered and her cousin this time is accused of the murder. So she's trying to help her cousin out, right? And it just was fun. I had a great time. I flew through it and I, the main reason it's on this list is because it just surprised me. I had a good time with it. I read it around Easter, so April. So I, I'm not remembering the finer points of why I enjoyed it, but I liked it a lot. And it made me really excited for the third book, Blackmail and Bibinka. I don't know. That's actually the next book I'm going to read. And I cannot wait. I, I literally, I'll tell you all about it in that episode, but I've literally spent months looking for it and I finally tracked it down. Number four on this list is something that I felt like had to be here considering the fact that I finished it and then immediately read it again. And that is When We Were Bright and Beautiful by Jillian Madoff. So this is a book that I was actually super hesitant to even pick. It was my August book of the month pick. And it is about Cassie, sort of. And she's telling the story of her brother Billy's rape trial. He's on trial for raping his girl ex-girlfriend, I guess. And she's telling this his story, but in the background you also have the story of her relationship with a much older married man. And so these two things are kind of happening in parallel and you're finding out the mystery of what was going on with her and this older man and also did her brother do it and seeing kind of the nitty-gritty of the trial 
and all of that. Now, going into it, I was aware that these characters were unlikable and that this was a very intense subject matter. So I was nervous. But in the two-page preview on Book of the Month, the writing style was exact the exact kind that I enjoy and can fly through. And you'll see that the books on the worst book list have the opposite sort of writing. So basically, what I've discovered this year, or in 2022 and now actually this first week in 2023 really solidified it, is that I don't like the sprawling epics and the purple prose writing. I really enjoy something that sucks you in and is a kind of quicker pace. This one's not quirky by any means, but like Italia Hibbert writing style is super fun. Or even just the generic romance contemporary style, like that stuff works for me in a way that the sprawling epics, really purple prose stuff tends to not work for me. Now there are cases where it has, but it tends not to. And so basically I picked up when we were bright and beautiful because of the writing style and I thought I'd give it a chance and I just loved it. Was it kind of hard to read? Yeah, because there's a lot of triggering content and a lot of stuff going on, but I was just, I guess enthralled might be the right word. Like I was flying through it. I couldn't wait to pick it up. And when I finished, then there's a twist about two thirds of the way through, you get the twist. And I didn't see it coming, even though when I looked on Goodreads, a lot of people said they knew exactly what it was. Me, I didn't see it coming. And so then I finished the book and I was like, you know what? I need to read it again and see how I feel now that I know what the twist is. And then reading it again, I still enjoyed it a lot. Like I literally finished it and then the next night started it again. So I read it twice in probably 10 days, maybe less. I think it four days and then three days. So seven days, but I don't read on the weekends usually. So, you know. So that just had to be on here. And I also had a nice little interaction with the author. She commented on my Instagram saying she was really glad that I liked it. And so that was fun and also a highlight of 2022. So I would definitely give that book a chance if that's something that isn't going to be bad for your mental health. I thought it was great. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm I guess this was actually literary fiction that worked for me, so I take what I said back earlier, but I don't know. After that, we have The Kingdom of the Wicked series by Carrie Maniscalco. So this is a fantasy romance series. The first book is definitely young adult fantasy, and the second two are adult fantasy, adult fantasy romance. There's a big tonal shift, and I've talked about it in the episodes the first two episodes on the episodes on the first two books are out and the episode on the third book will actually be the one coming out after this episode. So you can hear my thoughts and opinions on all three. I just kind of grouped them together. I think if I had to pick a favorite, it would, I, I think it's probably the first book, but I also really, really enjoyed the second two. And I think the last one would be my next favorite. And then the second one is my least favorite, although I still did like it. This series if you listen to my Kingdom of the Wicked, which is the first book episode, I called it finally some good food because I didn't want to use the F word in the title. And it this book, the first one, reinstated my like love. So basically, re um, it made me feel like yes, YA fantasy can be good. I'm not sure what word I was looking for there, but I'm sure you, as my listener, know exactly what I mean. But I just, you know, I've been having a lot of issues and I read it and it was exactly what I wanted. So this series is about the first book. You have Amelia. She is a witch with her and so is her twin sister, Victoria. But at the beginning of the book, her twin sister is murdered and Amelia ends up summoning one of the seven 
demon princes from hell and which they all are one of the seven deadly sins to help figure out what happened to her sister and then you kind of go from there not going to give you more because I don't want to spoil it and I just it was exactly what I wanted the the like archetypes or the trope I don't know, but Amelia and then Wrath, who was her, like, love interest in the sin that she... They both are the kinds of, like, main male and female characters that I want to see in a fantasy novel. I like witches, I like demons, and I love a demon-witch romance. Don't know what to tell you about that. And so it just really worked for me. The whole series was fun. Are there plot holes? Absolutely. And so I cannot wait to read the whole series again. Carrie Maniscalco... New Insta by author. Can't wait to see what she puts out next October. Super, super excited. Okay, the last book on the best books before I get to my honorable mentions is The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. Now, this one I was really surprised. So I picked up The Unhoneymooners because I was at the Barnes and Noble trying to get something before I went to Florida for Thanksgiving. And it was on one of the buy one, get one half off tables. So I thought, all right. I've heard that this is the best Christina Lauren book. And I was really skeptical because the only one I had read before this was In a Holidays, which I didn't like. At the time that I read it, I think I said it was okay. But as two years have now passed, nah, it didn't work for me. I didn't think it was that good. So I was really skeptical, right? Because I know a lot of people like Christina Lauren a lot, but that first one just didn't hit. And so I was like, I don't know. But this one, it hit. It hit on all the levels. So what is the plot? The main characters, so the main character's name is Olive. I don't remember what her love interest, his name is, but their siblings are getting married. But then everybody gets food poisoning at the wedding except for the two of them. So they take their honeymoon to Hawaii and she is pretending to be her sister because her sister won it as like um, a contest. So she, and they're identical twins. So it's like, okay, whatever. So they go to Hawaii, but the two of them are enemies. So it's enemies to lovers. They don't like each other. They had a bad interaction when they first met. And since then, it hasn't been good. But while they're on Hawaii, they're starting to learn things about each other and learn that what they thought happened might not have actually happened. And then a lot of other hijinks and other really emotional stuff goes down. The reason this book worked for me is two reasons. The ending was really, really good. I don't spoil books here in my um, wrap-up episode, which I don't know why not. Well, because I spoil books in every single other episode I do, but I don't do it here in case this is the only episode of mine you listen to. So it really worked for me. The ending had the right amount of angst and personal growth. I felt like both main characters had to grow. The ending, the conflict also made me cry. And I really felt for Olive as she was going through some stuff. And also the setting in Hawaii and everything that's going on there was really fun. So this one just worked for me. It made me understand why Christina Lauren is beloved. And I would definitely try another Christina Lauren, except I I wouldn't try anyone. I would pick a few certain ones that I've heard also good things about. So now we get to the honorable mentions. I want to talk about the two romances that are honorable mentions first, because Originally, The Unhoneymooners made its way right up there, but there's two other that could have taken its place. The first is The Hating Game, which ironically I also read, well, I read it on my way back from Florida back in March, and I really enjoyed it. The first half I read on the plane ride back to DC and would have literally like 
it got me all emotional but i was on the plane so i like didn't cry it I, there was some plane magic going on i don't know what to tell you and then the other romance is kiss her once for me which i just read in december it's a christmas romance and again this is the thing about the romances i love a good romance but if it's going to be on this list nine times out of ten it has to hit me emotionally and make me want to cry or actually cry i need to be there needs to be some good angst in a believable third act conflict as well as chemistry and kiss her once for me had that i really enjoyed it but it didn't it just missed the top top then i also read two um the two books that my aunt lent me two historical fictions the rose code and west with giraffes i really enjoyed both of them i thought both of them were really good and the rose code or rose code actually did make me emotional in a way west with giraffes didn't i was also concussed when i read west with giraffes but the two of them were really good and i think they're great um historical fiction novels but again they just like when i i it was interesting because i was thinking back like okay what what books made the 2020 and 2021 list and do i still think about them a lot and i think that these ones that i put on the list this year are going to be ones I think about a lot in a way that the honorable mentions might not be, but who knows? Who's to say? Now, let's move on to the worst books of 2022. These are my favorite videos to watch on YouTube because I like hearing people talk about things they hate. Not sure what that says about me, but I do think that sometimes when you listen to the best books list, as you might have gotten from mine, a lot of times it's just like, I loved it. It was great. I don't know what to say, but I loved it. Versus in the worst books, there's typically something very specific that you can point to and explain why it's bad, which maybe makes it more interesting to hear about. So I want to first start off by saying I don't know if that will be the case here because almost all of the books that ended up on this list are here because they're boring. Now, in years past, there have been books on this list that I despised. I truly, truly despised and hated and thought were terrible and that I still think about and just thinking about them make me upset. For example, American Royals. That book was on my 2020 worst list. And at literally when I think about it to this day, I, it makes me so upset and angry. That's a worst book. The ones on here, half of them I'm probably going to forget I ever read because they were boring and forgettable. So... I guess it's good in that I didn't read something that like made me viscerally angry, but also I feel like if I'm going to read something that sucks, I'd rather it make me angry than like put me to sleep. So let's get into it. Number one, The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis. This was my January book of the month pick. I DNF'd it originally because I was bored and had a lot of interesting winter reads that I wanted to read. Go listen to that whole series that I have in January, February, and beginning of March from 2022, those episodes, they're pretty much all winter-themed reads, and I had a lot of fun being a seasonal reader for the first time in my life. And this one was boring, but then I finished it only because I had two days to go before I was going to Florida, and I just needed to finish it. I wish I hadn't because it literally bored me. The basic idea is it's set in two timelines, and there's this woman who was, like, a model for sculptures, and then her landlord dies and she's implicated so she runs away and then she gets accused of like doing like stealing this other thing and it's sort of a mystery but it's really just really really boring uh, it's so boring to me there was a second timeline set in the the main timelines in the 
1919s or the 20s or something like that. And literally, that was more interesting. Then there's this other timeline in the 60s about like, oh, where's the missing Magnolia diamond? Oh, I got stuck in this house full of art. It's so boring. It's so boring. The second timeline is dumb. It only exists for it to be a way for you to figure out like, okay, what happened, even though you literally get that at the end of the first timeline. I didn't like any of the characters in the second timeline. I didn't really like any of the characters in the first timeline. And I was bored. Maybe if you like art, then this one might work for you. But it was so boring and I wish I hadn't read it. Number two, Breaking Time by Sasha Alsberg. Another really, really boring book. So it was boring. And you know what? The Magnolia, Magnolia Palace is boring. Breaking Time was disappointing because I was so excited for it. It's a YA novel that I heard about on YouTube and I was like, oh my god, so excited. Like, this girl is the last pillar of time and then she's got this Scottish man from the, like, 1600s who time travels and is trying to protect her and somebody's trying to, like, kill her. It sounded so interesting, right? And it just wasn't. I mean, the main characters were kind of boring. Every time I read the book, I just like was reading pages and absorbing literally none of the information at all. It just didn't go into my brain. And I was like, oh God, I have to pick this up and read it again. The ending sucked. Like it was setting it up to be a series, but I will not be reading anything else from this author or from that series. And it just made me upset because the idea was so good but the execution was so poor. The Actually, I do have an episode on this book, which I think you should listen to because I take the premise of this book and I turn it into something actually interesting. So that was a lot of fun for me to do. So at least I had fun making the episode for this book, but I did not have fun reading it. It bored me and it really actually was probably the most disappointing book I read this year because I had such high expectations and it literally let me down and it had such a good premise and then delivered nothing. It, it gave it gave nothing. Next is Sign Here by Claudia Lux, which is actually my one of my two DNFs. So I DNF'd it for like mental health reasons, but I read 200 of the 400 pages before it like got to the part that I that was like, this needs to go. But even in the first 200, if I had finished it and or even if it was just, I didn't like it. Even the first 200 pages, I didn't like it. But like when I buy something or get it, I don't like to DNF it just because I don't like it unless there's a, unless there's like a good reason for why I need to. And I didn't like it because of the casual. So, okay. The plot of this book is that there's this guy in hell named Peyote Trip or Pay, and he is trying to figure out how to escape from hell basically and go back to earth and like live his life again to do better. And so he also, like, lives on this floor where he, like, gets humans to sell their soul to him to, like, fix something, right? And so you've got that going on, and then you've got this family, and he's trying to, like, collect the soul of one of them as well to, yeah, so he's trying to, like, collect one of their souls, and if he can do it, then he can, like, go back and live his life again. And you're also getting, like, information, like, getting a story from the family. The family suck. They suck. I didn't, every time we were reading about them, I was like, please take me back to hell. Literally, I was like, I want to go back to hell. You should never want to go back to hell. So I didn't like the family. 
and I didn't like their storyline. And But then when we were in hell, which was the storyline I did like more, the way that torture was described was, like, disgusting in a very offhanded way that, like, made me feel disgusted, which I think that's what the author was going for. So, like, good writing on that, but, like, in a way that unsettled me and I didn't like it, so not good for me. So this book was a miss for me. I've heard other people who really liked it, but for kind of those reasons, it did not work for me. Next is Dava Shastri's Last Day by Kirantha Ramasetti. My handwriting's a little hard to read, so hopefully that's correct. So I read this book in December, and so you haven't heard about it on the podcast. You will eventually hear about it, but this one didn't work for me, and this kind of goes to this idea. So the idea of this book was really interesting to me. There's this matriarch, Dava Shastri, who is dying from this terminal illness. So she decides to announce to the world that she's died a day before she's going to because she's doing like a a medically assisted like euthanasia suicide sort of deal. And so she's like announcing it a day before that happens because she wants to read her obituaries. And she calls her whole family to like this isolated island to do that um, so they can say their goodbyes and she can read that. And so the reason this book didn't work for me is nobody was likable. There was like, maybe the grandchildren were likable, but all of the adults weren't. So like, I get that everybody was supposed to be nuanced. And so I appreciate that. But if I wanted to like read or about like a family that has a lot of issues, I mean, I can just talk to one of my friends, right? I can just talk to my people I know, right? I, I'm i reading for escapism. I'm reading to have fun. And this wasn't fun. Reading about a horrible mother. She's not a horrible mother, but she's very, very selfish. And so, and like, she didn't really think about like how this was going to affect her family and all. And she cared more about her legacy than her children. Like, that's just, I didn't care to read that. Like, no, thank you. I didn't think anybody was very likable. At the end, it turned around a little bit for me, but I think I've realized that I don't really like, I don't know if I like a family drama like this. At the end, it did turn around for me as you're kind of like seeing sort of the growth a few of these characters have, but overall, they weren't very likable, and I just don't know if the family jo- the family drama works for me, which is kind of funny because When We Were Bright and Beautiful is definitely a family drama, but in a very different way. This book also had that sort of writing style that's just not that interesting to me. It isn't engaging. It's a more, I don't know if descriptive is the right word. I don't even know if that's actually correct, but it just didn't work for me. Kind of on that same vein. So this next book isn't actually one of the worst books of 2022. It's not one of the worst books I've read this year, but I want to talk about it because it was a disappointment and it leads me to my realization that I don't like the sprawling epics. And that is Circe by Madeline Miller or Madeline Miller, however the heck you say her name. So this, let me preface this. Don't come for me. This isn't actually on this list, but I want to talk about it because I expected so much from Circe because I heard nothing but like rave reviews and I found it to be just fine. If you don't know what Circe is, it's basically telling you the entire life of Circe, who's like a Greek mythology character, but this is like kind of a fictionalized, even though she's fictional, like version of her life. She was like a witch. She's in the Odyssey because she turns all of Odysseus's men into pigs 
and then she sleeps with Odysseus and has a son, and then her son ends up killing Odysseus. So that all happened, but it's telling you her whole life story, and she is not unlikable, but she's not super likable. You're not really rooting for her. The story, the story takes place over hundreds of years. I've just realized that I don't like a story that takes place over a lifetime. I prefer much more contained about like a specific time in somebody's life, whether that be a week, a few months, a year, maybe even two years, but a hundred years, like 40 years or hundreds of years, that doesn't work for me. Um, this also is definitely the sort of like beautiful prose writing style, which I realized doesn't work for me either. And so while I don't think Circe is a bad book and it's not actually one of my worst books, it helped me realize that that is a type of book I don't like and should be avoiding. Finally, I want to talk about Nicholas Sparks. I read The Choice, A Walk to Remember, and Dear John. Um, I had never ever read a Nicholas Sparks book before. And I read them because my roommate was like, oh my God, you've never read them. I used to be obsessed in middle school. And my favorite was The Choice, which is the only one that I had never heard of before and was the most different, I think, of the three books. And they're not like necessarily horrible, but I'm putting them here because I want to talk about them. And the thing about Nicholas Sparks is that if I read it in middle school, it would have been great. But I've now read, a f I've read tons of romance novels that have a lot more substance to them and didn't kind of rely on the same sort of like tropes and ideas of it and so they just didn't really work for me I'm not gonna ever read a Nicholas Sparks book again probably won't watch any of the movies based on his books either so those were my best and worst books of the year as well as some of my stats and all of that. So before we leave, I'll talk a little bit about maybe goals for this upcoming year, 2023. Like I said, I like to shoot for 52, but more reasonably 50 books because I almost, I never read on vacation. I don't like to read on vacation and I don't like to read around the holidays. So, which I think of as vacation. So that kind of knocks out some books. So I'm shooting for about 50 physical books. I don't set goals for my electronic reading. I don't really care about that. That stuff's absolutely just for fun. You never hear about any of that stuff I read on this podcast because you don't need to know. Other goals, I definitely want to increase um, the number of books I've read by um, people of color as well as books with LGBTQ characters. I forgot to mention this, but I did read two queer romances. Well, one queer romance and one science fiction about a queer romance. So, I definitely want to work on that as well in this upcoming year. And then this also, I want to challenge myself into reading or like picking up things that are different. Like the magical realism stuff that I read this year, which I think you'll, the other birds, which I think that's out. And then the wilder woman, which will be out in a few weeks, I think. Those are things that I wouldn't typically gravitate towards to. So book of the month really does help me in picking out genres that I might not necessarily go for all the time. But I also have realized literary fiction, the sprawling epic, the family drama, the unlikable characters, nine times out of 10, it's not gonna work for me. And I need to stop picking this stuff up and thinking that it will. You're gonna hear a lot more about this when you hear my potential mini-sode, potential regular episode on Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, 
which I read this first week in 2023 and really solidified to me that I do not like stories set over a lifetime where the characters are not super likable. I don't want to talk about it right now because I still have to record that. I don't think it's going to happen tonight, but maybe tomorrow. So you'll hear more about that. Not, I guess it's, I didn't hate it, but it wouldn't have been my best book of 2022, which it was on Book of the Month and kind of everywhere. It exploded. People loved it. And I've realized that that book is kind of similar to Cersei, which people also love, but I didn't love. And so I'm putting the pieces together and I'm just not going to listen to people who tell me to read things like that because those things don't work for me. And that's okay. You got to know what works for you and go for it. So do I really have goals? No, just try and expand my horizons and avoid stuff I've finally realized doesn't work for me and read. So yeah, that was my 2022 reading year wrap up. That's pretty much everything that was going on. Overall, I had a good year. I mean, I actually had a hard time picking out the worst books. Really, only two two of them really deserve to be there. Two of them kind of deserve to be there and the other two were just there because I wanted to add some more stuff and talk about them. So with that, oh, I guess with that, I should tell you what's going on next week. Next week will be Kingdom of the Feared by Carrie Maniscalco. We're rounding up the trilogy. I will tell you that I recorded that episode over a month after I, or maybe a month after I finished that book. But you know, you got to listen to all of them. It was one of my favorite books of the year. It was a great time and you're going to have a great time if you listen to that episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to if uh, you can. That would really help me out and help other people find this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. I have kind of taken a hiatus from posting on there, but if you do DM me, I'm happy to discuss your favorite books or least favorite books of the year as well as mine. Or you can email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com and we can chat that way as well. So with that, this was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and I'll catch you guys next time.